It's the Kevin Power Podcast Hour. We're gonna hang out and talk about sports. It's the Kevin Power Podcast Hour. You can listen at home in your favorite shorts. It's the Kevin Power Podcast Hour. Behind the scenes on your favorite teams. It's the Kevin Power Podcast Hour. Talking about the games and everything in between. This is not a representation that the show will be one hour long. Hello, this is Kevin Power, host of the Kevin Power Podcast Hour. I'm really excited to have senior researcher from the Golf Channel, Justin Wright, with me today. Thank you so much for being with me, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, you're pretty much uh, every stat that I've ever wanted to come up with, you've came up with about five minutes before me. So, uh, (laughs) So tell me about a little bit about your process without giving away all your trade secrets. For me, uh, anytime you're watching any kind of game or a golf tournament or um, if you're doing work in another sport, um, it's always about being a few steps ahead of what, of what might happen. Um, so if, let's say, you know, last week at the Sony Open, Justin Thomas uh, makes the turn. I can't remember what he made the turn at. But let's say he's like, you know, eight under through ten holes. Okay, uh I know Justin Thomas has a couple career rounds of 61, so let's find out who has the most rounds of 61 or better over the last three years. And that way, we've got that ready as soon as he cards 61 or 60. Okay, it looks like he might get to 60 or 59. Um, let's look up, uh, you know, obviously the list of guys who have shot 59, but let's go a step for Justin Thomas ends with an eagle. Um, the only other guy to end with an eagle, end a sub-60 round with an eagle is David Duvall. So, I mean, it's always about being a step ahead of what might happen. And that gives you with a whole lot of stuff that never actually occurs and is completely useless. Um, like most of the things you come up with, but, um, in the end you have, um, the most relevant, um, best, uh, item that you can use most unique thing to tell the story about what happened for the sports fan. And you have it as, as it happens, you have it in its most relevant uh, moment. Um, the broadcaster you're working with, or the analyst, or whoever it is, they have it at the mo- at the most relevant time. Like um, uh, Todd Lewis, one of our reporters, will have it in the post game interview seconds after the guy just walked off the green, or, or whoever the case may be. So um, I think one of the biggest things for me is um, being one or two steps ahead of what actually. Not after it's happened and, and thinking about it then, but um, what might happen in the, in the moment, in the game, in the term, whatever it might be. So obviously you do your prep uh, prior to the week, but like a lot of your stuff is, is during the four rounds, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so yeah. Do, do, would you say you use a lot of your, your, your pre-prep or, or just kind of going off like what you see and what you're watching? Um, I mean, you do use it to some extent, um, you know, and the best way to have um, something ready to go on the fly is to be really well prepared at first. But to be honest with you, I mean, a lot of it is just done on the fly. It's seeing something as it happens and having the dexterity. And I mean, I've been doing this for a living now since I got out of college nine years ago and um, being able to come up with something really quickly um, comes from just, you know, a zillion reps. Um, and when I, when I was at ESPN, I did all sports. Now golf, you know, obviously I just do golf. But um, it, it, being able to do something really quickly as you see it. So um, being able to move around the different tools and databases and all that stuff without getting too nerded out. Uh, the, the different things that you use as a, as a professional sports researcher, um, being able to use it quickly, um, come up with something on the fly, and, you know, being able to present it and tell the story as best you can uh, in that moment, um, kind of winding away from your question. But, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, preparation is important, but a lot of stuff that I do is in the moment or on the fly. So, um, obviously, golf is your favorite sport. How long have you wanted to work in sports? Uh, my whole life. Um, and I don't honestly know if golf would be my favorite Oh, sport. I'm I sorry. Mean, I didn't want to jump to conclusions okay. with that. Sports kind of guy. I grew up playing baseball year round in Houston um, through high school. Um, you know, I love the NFL, NBA, uh, college football, baseball, golf. Um, I always wanted to work in sports. I mean, like every kid, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine years old, you I wanted to play sports for a living. And 
when I quickly realized that wouldn't happen about 11 or 12, <laughs> I decided I wanted to just do something in that capacity. I've always just been a crazy sports nut, consumed it at all times, um, you know, and, and always wanted to be a part of it. Um, and then uh, I went to the University of Missouri uh, Journalism School with the intention of, okay, someday I'm going to work for ESPN. That was my reasoning for going to the journalism school. I ended up working right out of, out of college. I was an uh, uh, intern in the research department in the summer of 2007. Um, was at ESPN for six years, and then I've been at Golf Channel for about two and a half now. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of an all-sports guy, but I got into a – I love golf, obviously, and when I was at ESPN, I kind of fell into a niche of, okay, um, you know, this guy can do all sports, but – uh, we need more help in golf, and it was kind of a niche I kind of fell into as a young person in that department, and I kind of grew into it. My love for the game grew, my um, you know knowledge of it, and ability to to come up with interesting stuff. Um, you know, following the game, covering the game grew, and it kind of went from there. You're not a Dallas Cowboys fan, are you? Absolutely not. I'm from Houston, Texas. Oh. We are opposed to all things Dallas. Oh, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> I was, I was going to end the interview right there because if you were, oh, okay. So, okay. So, yeah, I'm guessing you're a Giants guy. Then? Yes, of course. Okay. Uh, so, are you a Texans fan? Yeah, yeah. That's, sadly. Do you? Yeah. What do you want to? <laughs> really quick. What do you? What do you want to do with Brock? Get rid of him? It's a tough question. I mean, he's only on the books for one more year. Um, I don't know what they're going to do next year, quarterback. I don't know how much money or money you can sink uh, into that position um, next season. Um, but, I mean, obviously when the guaranteed money comes off the books after 2017, I mean, there's no reason for the guy to still be on the team. I mean, he was – I tried to give him – I gave him as much of a chance as anybody. But by the time Texans got to week 11, week 12, I was like, this guy's. I mean, he's awful, and he's not getting better. I didn't so. think they were the reason they. I didn't think he was the reason they lost to the Patriots, though. I really didn't. Oh, really? I didn't think so. I mean, I thought he had a couple drop passes. I didn't think he looked that bad. So I thought people were throwing him out of the bus a little. I mean, not too quick. He didn't have a great year, but in the playoffs in that in that game, he didn't look bad. I didn't think. Full disclosure: I was on set uh, at the Sony Open for the whole second half. So I, I didn't see any of the second half. I was only following as I could and know he threw three picks in the second half. So. Yeah, but two of them weren't his fault. Two of them weren't his okay. fault. Yeah. All right. All you right. Know? Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I, I, I followed the – the first half was great. I mean, I was I was shocked that they uh, actually had a chance in Foxborough there. You know, to have the ball in a one-possession game in the fourth quarter – in that building, that's all you can ask, and then it all went horribly wrong. But yeah, um, I, I honestly don't know what what they should do. But yeah, you know, we'll see. It kind of seems like a dead end next season. Uh, I don't know what. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what the Chargers do with Philip Rivers, or if Philip Rivers wants to stick around. But I mean, like I said, there's already so much money invested in that position for them next season. I really am not sure what what they're gonna be able to do in 2017. It's just a quick drive south, Tony Romo, baby. <laughs> How much can you invest in, in a when a league with a salary cap is just so important? And yeah, breaking it up by position groups, they have so much money invested in it already. Could be Tom Savage next season. Who knows? Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. what about all these? Uh, I like these low scores, but is it just is it just the the amount of media attention it's getting, or is there a lot of fifty nines and fifty eights happening? Well, I mean, there were only three from the beginning of the PGA Tour until 2009, and we've had five now, five sub-60 rounds since the beginning of 2010. I mean, you know, it's obviously a more frequent occurrence, and I think it's a, it's a, you know, it's a whole lot of different factors coming into, you know, into one. First of all, greens have never rolled truer in the history of the PGA Tour than they have over the last six, seven, eight years. I mean, the grounding's gotten so much better in golf that... Um, you know, there are probably a lot of 62s and 61s and 60s over the years in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and the ball just wasn't rolling as true on the greens, and, and it didn't happen. Um, the other thing, too, is that I honestly, I think the combination of equipment obviously being as good as it's ever been and the ball being able to fly as long as it's ever been and guys being better, younger, because they're essentially a lot of these players, like Justin Thomas, playing in AJGA, Jordan Speed playing in AJGA, they're essentially on a professional tour when they're at like 12, 13 years yeah. old. So they have this elite competition. They're growing up playing against the guys they're going to eventually play against on tour. 
me, they've been doing this for 10 years, and I just think there's just this conflation of the greens getting better, the equipment getting better, and the players being more uh, tournament tested at a younger age when they immediately step on the PGA Tour that, you know, it's been it's inevitable that these low scores are going to happen. And, I, I mean, I honestly don't think we're that far away from seeing some. I mean, now, listen, no one shot 13 under in a PGA Tour round since um, – uh, David Duvall did at the, at the Bob career builder, Bob Hope in 1999. So, you know, all the recent sub 60 rounds have not come on par 72 courses. To me, I think the magic number, not necessarily is 57 or 58, but if someone could shoot 14 under in a round. So if somebody on a par 72 shoots 58, obviously that's a 56 on a par 70, which I don't think is going to happen, you know, <laughs> but who knows? I mean, a guy shot 58, on the PGA Tour last year, so but I mean, I think sometimes we, we get enamored with that that five uh, in that score, and you know we're only human, and, and golf fans we're used to seeing 60s, 70s, so justifiably so we get excited by it. But I think 14 under is a more valuable benchmark for a player to hit on a in a PGA Tour round than um, than let's say 58 or a 57. So do you think that's, that's my opinion, you think these low scores are good for just playing devil's advocate? You think it's good for golf, all these low scores? Part of it's good, but you don't want to, I mean, when you oversaturate the game with a bunch of them, it's not going to end up being as exciting. I mean, we joke about it, um, me and the people who, you know, at Golf Channel who are in the control room or in the newsroom or wherever we are can be covering the game. You know, we laugh about it sometimes. Like we have a, the hashtag fifty nine watch whenever anyone gets someone gets a hot round on Golf Channel, and it becomes a possibility. It's in the corner of the screen. There's a fifty eight last year. Like, shouldn't we dial it back a little bit? Like, do we need to have a watch for everything? I mean, um, oh, you could start a 50, you could start a fifty nine watch every single event after eight holes. Well, and there's a lot. Like this week, you know, the weather was bad yesterday at, at the Hope, but. I still call it the Bob Hope, the Career Builder Challenge. Like, but you know, this is a course where it's conducive to a lot of low scores. Sony Open's going to have that. The John Deere Classic every year. There's going to be somebody seven under through nine or whatever, and we're going to have that. Um, there's, you know, there's events all over the PGA Tour schedule where you know, you're going to have inevitably a 59, 50, whatever watch every single week. So you know, I, you know, to have to have it pop up at this frequency. You know, long term, it's probably not the best thing. But, you know, hey, the Justin Thomas round was a blast last week. It's Thursday of, you know, not a huge event. Um, you know, being on site, it made it super exciting. It's, you know, we, we came up like two hours early on our pregame show and covered every shot live. And, you know, that's the stuff that gets me excited, um, you know, especially on a day where you know, you're not handing out a trophy and it's not a major championship. It's not a huge event, but we have something big newsworthy happening. But I think long term, if, if you've got this happening every six months, a year, whatever it may be, uh, or even more frequently than that, no, it's probably not the best thing for golf. And it also doesn't seem like – it'd be one thing if it was like Tiger and Jack and, and even Jordan or whatever doing these scores. But when you guys like – not no disrespect to these guys, like Paul Goidos and Ches Reby and these guys shooting 60 and 59s, like, you know, it's – it's you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of parity yeah. in the 59s, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's you know that that's a that's something that happens throughout sports though. Those single game performances that are record breaking. I mean, I think Mark Witten hit four home runs. Yeah, in the right. Nineties. Yeah. You know, um, who was there was a running back for the Browns? I think like three years ago who ran for like two hundred ninety. I can't remember the guy's name, but in like a, a throwaway Week sixteen game, he was chasing the single game rushing record. I mean, stuff. I mean. It, doesn't really happen a whole lot in the NBA. You get superstars to set the primary record. Exactly. I mean, like, yeah. But but it happens in sports. You know, where you know a, a player has an unbelievable game. The circumstances all meet, and you know. And look, I, I tried to make this point about the sub sixty rounds. Um, I, I tweeted it out. We got the note on our broadcast. Um, there have been twenty seven perfect games in Major League Baseball history. There will have been eight sub sixty rounds. Um, a, a perfect game. I'm hoping I don't mess this up because I'm not looking at it right now. But a perfect game in Major League Baseball is still 20 times more frequent in the history of the game than a sub-60 round on the PGA Tour. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's still it's still statistically incredibly rare, even if it feels like you know it, it it's happening all the time now. But I would more almost put it uh, in the category of like a no hitter because there's been a lot of guys that have had no hitters that you've never heard of. But perfect yeah. games are like 
perfect games are going to be like the 56 that we see. The 50, yeah. you know what I mean? And no one's ever had, you know, I talk with um, a guy I work with a lot who's a polarizing dude, but is an awesome guy and great at his job, and Brandel Champley. And we, we talk about, you know, no one has ever had the quote perfect round on the PGA Tour, which is a perfect round on the PGA Tour is 18 under par. And that's a figment of, of golf imagination, basically, at this point. So, I mean, I would almost say that a perfect game correlation to a round of the PGA Tour is something that's never happened before. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, do you think, uh, do you think, all right, the bigger upside right now, I know Jordan obviously has the two majors, but Justin right now is looking pretty darn good. Uh, for 2017, who's your prediction on, on a better year? That's a good question. Um, you know, Justin has that gear in terms of his distance and his ability to flight the golf ball that gives him the ability to win tournaments by, you know, three, four, five, seven shots. Where, you know, Jordan Speed, he's got some, like he won Maui last year by, I think, eight. He's got the ability to do that, but he has to be putting absolutely lights out um, in order for him to do that. For the rest of this year, I mean, look, Jordan Spieth has played three Masters and his finishes are two, one, and two. So it's really difficult to predict that, you know, that Justin Thomas will finish better than Jordan at Augusta. Um, but for the rest of the year, I mean, you know, Justin doesn't have a top ten in a major yet. Um, you know, Jordan is, is seasoned in these major championships. It's a different kind of golf. It's a whole different kind of set of nerves than you know, the CIMB Classic and Maui and Sony Open, which are the which are you know, the great wins for Justin Thomas, but they're they're everything he's shown us so far. Um, that being said, I guess for the rest of the year, man, it's it's gonna be tough to follow going three for five to start a year, isn't it? I mean, the names of guys who have done that over the last forty years, uh, well over the last forty years it's just Tiger and Justin Thomas to win three of their first five starts of the season on the PGA tour. And before that you have to go back to Johnny Miller in the mid seventies. So it's incredible what he's pulled off so far for him to continue it. I mean, that would be a huge ask, but I mean, the kid is super talented. I, I'm trying to come up with an answer while, while circumventing, <laughs> while still kind of going around the, uh, the possibilities. Um, I'll take Jordan Spieth in the majors the rest of the year, but I'll say, let's say, Justin Thomas ends up from here on out with more PG. I think Justin Thomas wins, let's say, two more times this season on tour. But I say Jordan's more likely to pull off a major championship in 2017. Hmm. I disagree. I do not think Jordan's okay. – uh, I think Justin might get one this year. And I think um, – I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. I mean, it took me so long to answer that because I was trying to, I was trying to come up with the, the most appropriate, you know – way to, to, to answer your question, but I don't know. I just think I've seen Jordan Spieth do it, and, and Justin Thomas doesn't doesn't have a great performance in a major championship yet. I could see a PGA for him this year. Absolutely. Abs- no question. No question. Do you yeah. think um, – I honestly think um, there was a little bit of – I don't want to say animosity, but yeah, animosity that uh, Justin had toward Jordan at his early success, and I think now that it's kind of leveling out, that Justin's got a little bit more confidence that he's not Jordan's friend anymore. Well, yeah, the joke for years, as you probably know, is that you know Justin Thomas is Jordan's best friend and also a PGA Tour player. Like it was the thing that was always brought up about Justin Thomas that rookie season when he was on tour. I could totally see that. I mean, how can you not have confidence instilled in you when you you know he's got three wins and they're all by three shots and five starts this year? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's unbelievable. Um, not just to win, but to have, you know, a substantial margin of victory. Now, you know, it was tight with Tadeki Matsuyama coming down the stretch in Maui, but, you know, after he flubs it on 16, he goes birdie, birdie, and, and you know, wins it with ease. I mean, yeah, the confidence has got to be super instilled, and I think that you're right, that if there's one major championship he has the best shot in this year, it'd be the PGA. If, uh, if I'm Michael Greller, did I make the right decision? <laughs> I think he's doing okay, <laughs> but uh, I, I bet you he's kind of having, you know, he's, he's giving it a thought, you know? No, dude went from science teacher to guy in a bag who made like 15 mil in 2015. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Tough to have any regrets. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I know. But uh, I'd love to see a Jordan-Justin uh, rivalry, you know what I mean? I think it would be great for American golf. I think it would be good for ratings. 
you know? We're always seeking a rivalry in golf. It's something we you know, we talked about with Tiger and Phil for forever, and we never we got like two instances in 15 years where the guys went head-to-head on a Sunday, and it never happened in a major. So it's so tough to, to get something like that. I mean, you know, even when Jason Day wins at Whistling Straits, like, you know, Jordan was never really in it, even though he finished second or third. I can't remember where. I think third. But, um, you know, it's so tough to get two – elite players hot in the same week and you know every time like you know you know if if it's jordan spieth uh a couple years ago coming down the stretch it's bubba watson who wins it's a guy who's not that same you know the classic guy we we want to to go head to head with yeah the superstar on sunday it's just so rare to get it to happen in golf yeah that'd be amazing like <laughs> coming down the stretch these two 23 year old you know stars of golf are, are going head to head and you know, trading birdies, and you know, we we now. I, I want to say the last major where we really had something like that going was at Valhalla when Rory won, and Ricky and Phil and Henrik Stenson were going at it down the stretch. That's probably my favorite major championship I've got to work in person so far in my life. It was just so much fun. There was the crazy ending with the darkness, and you know, Phil hitting over the you know, the which I which which I still but, think but is weird. Hours leading up to it were absolutely fantastic. It's just so rare to get that that those two stars going at it on Sunday in a regular tournament, let alone a major. Rory, I mean, obviously, I've heard it numerous times now, but you think Rory's got some animosity toward those two still from that because, like, that was a messed up situation in 2014. Uh, it was. I mean, but Rory ended up winning the tournament, and the guys had so much success. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm going to be stunned if he's not contending in Augusta this year. And I know he has the rib injury. Um, hopefully, that's a that's just a minor setback um, because you know he's been sneaky, really good over the last nine months or so. I know it's tough to say that with the Tour Championship, the amazing performance in the Ryder Cup, um, but I don't think he gets talked about nearly enough. It's kind of an underappreciated dude in his mid twenties with four majors, and I want I, I don't have the number right in front of me. I feel guilty as as a you know a researcher to not have all the numbers right in front of me sitting here on my couch but um over his last i want to say 20 starts around the world he's been inside the top five more than he's been outside the top five like just an unbelievable run of golf where i just don't think he gets talked about enough do you rory yeah i mean like if you talk to i have a lot of european writers they think he's god you know, like I think we end up being prisoners of the moment in in U.S. sports media, and after three or four weeks, we're in a new we're in a new era of some kind. Whereas, if you take a step back, like I don't think I just don't think he gets the the respect and the um, reverence maybe sometimes in the moment in the United States when the guys had an incomprehensibly awesome start to his career. Honestly, Justin, I think what could be is. He, um, he's been backing off the social media stuff, you know, so he's not as much out there and, and some of the stuff that he's saying, like, I feel like he's, um, he's almost like a LeBron James of golf. Like he's saying whatever the hell he wants to say, he's not giving a shit about what's politically correct and all that stuff. So he's kind of like, people are not really putting him on this pedestal. Maybe they're like, oh, he skipped out of the Olympics because of this and da, 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 that, it maybe that they're getting a little spite toward him because he's being so honest, which I think is great. You know, uh, well, I was gonna say like you don't. I, I revere him more for his honesty. One hundred percent. Yeah, but I, I think we 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 beg athletes to be honest in all sports, and then when they show a little bit of it, we know, vilify. They almost always get a backlash. Yep, and it's something that we don't have nearly enough of. And I think. It, I think it helps his image in my eyes. Like, I mean, oh, I agree. He did talking about the Olympics a few weeks ago, and you know, I think it's tremendous. But I see what you're saying. Not necessarily you yourself, but in general, that may impact the way he's perceived around the world. I, I get it. But uh, I think, I mean, it, to me, he's the greatest player on the planet, hands down. When when he's got it all clicking, I mean, DJ is a close second, but when he's got it all clicking, Rory, nobody can stop him. I don't think. I mean, Day is close, but. Don't you think Rory's the best player on the planet? I would say so. And, I mean, mathematically, he's going to be back at number one here pretty soon. Um, a lot of the the wins uh, from that crazy run Jason Day had in end of 15, beginning of 16, um, they go a little bit – I won't get too 
you know, dorky on the way the world ranking system works. But you know, it'll go. The significance will drop here in the coming weeks, and um, it's it's not too long before you know if Rory gets one more win. Of course, now with the rib thing, you know, I don't know when he's going to come back and play. Hopefully, sooner than later. But um, McIlroy's in a really good position to be able to be the number one player in the world going into the Masters. So um, that is, of course, if he comes back. I can keep having to give it that caveat. Comes back quickly. So this, uh, but this, yeah, no, I would. I to me, he is the best player in the world when he's hot. He's the number one. This uh, this rib thing can't be that bad if he did it on Friday and then he went at, went out and almost won the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, right? I agree. That's probably why I kind of put it in the back of my mind and keep talking about it. Like, um, it's not going to be a big issue. So, hopefully that's the case because golf's better when he's out there playing and he's he's crushing drives 340 and, and going crazy with Patrick Reed on the green and Hazeltine and all that stuff. Oh, my God. That was so great. It, <laughs> it was. It was awesome. <laughs> but but uh, what about Patrick? Does he win a major this year or ever? Well, you know, and he's not, he hasn't really contended in a major yet in his career. That's another guy who's kind of in that same boat where you haven't really seen it happen. Um, I think he does win a major in his career. I don't know if necessarily, man, I won't, I'll say no this year. I'll say he gets into contention this year for the first time. I mean, he had the, he was tied to the 36th hole lead in Chambers Bay. They had a really bad Saturday a couple years ago at the US Open. Um, but, you know, I, not this year, but I think it's only a matter of time before he contends in a major and he ends up winning one. Uh, I know the guys that know laying up are going to love this, but um, I compare him to uh, Ian Poulter. I think he's going to be our greatest Ryder Cup player probably of all time. He's going to contend in some majors, but he just won't win. Huh. Okay. I, I can see that. He-, he also already has like four more PGA Tour wins than Ian Poulter. Okay, well, I'm just, you know... <laughs> He predominantly played has obviously predominantly played in Europe. I know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but, I could see that. I mean, but I mean, look, Poulter contended in a handful of majors. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, eight to ten years ago. Um, you know, I don't think obviously I don't think he's ever going to win one at this point. But I hope um, not. It's a, it's an interesting corollary. Yeah. I mean, and that's the with the Ryder Cup success and the fire um, in that event. Um, I mean. I hope, for Patrick's sake, it's not the it's all, what he's done. In the Ryder Cup is amazing, but I think his golf potential is that is enough to where he doesn't need that to be his defining legacy to where he could be a major champion someday. Or maybe even maybe Sergio would be a better uh, comparison. Oh, man, yeah, but Sergio's like the ultimate bridesmaid. You think he ever gets one? Sneaks into one? Oh man, at this point, I you know he's. He's closer to 40 than people think. Um, you, you, we've been saying it for years. Like, it has to happen. And the man has 22 top 10s in majors and no wins. That's insane. I mean, that is absolutely crazy. That's the most of anyone without a major win. Most top 10s in majors without a major win over the last 40 to 50 years. Um, he's just too good for it to not happen, isn't he? I mean, but, but at this point, we, we've seen for 15 years – it just hasn't all come together for a week in a major championship. I don't know if he's ever going to get one. I think he might be this generation's Colin Montgomery. Um, you know, but I said that, I, I, and I feel more confident. You know, like there's a greater chance for for Sergio than for Lee Westwood, who's kind of been like the same, who almost has the same amount of top tens and majors without a win, believe it or not, in his career. Um, Sergio just—it's it, always felt like he's too good for it to not happen one week and for him to not win a major championship. But at this point, you know, you know, I got to see it to believe it. Yeah, and oh my god! But with Westwood, Westwood's putting is just frightening. It still gives me nightmares. <laughs> he's been close so often, especially at Augusta National. He really has a great record at the Masters. Um, you know, missing basically everything except you know a great back nine when he has the lead on Sunday. I mean, yeah. he's, he's got everything but that in his, his master's career. He's got, you know, he's had a handful of 54-hole leads in the other majors, too. So, uh, it's, it, as for Sergio, I mean, like I said, so immensely talented, so close, so often. You think it has to happen eventually. But at this point, i got to see it to believe it. Maybe like a Darren Clark kind of backs into one in a couple of years? That would, you know, and that would probably be the most fitting celebratory way for it to happen I think yeah 
So we've got uh, 29 minutes and we haven't talked about the GOAT. What do you... Oh, whoa. Okay. I'm kidding. No, but he is the GOAT, but our uh, our generation's GOAT. What do you uh, what do you think? What were your opinions on his his uh, little trial run that we saw and what are your predictions on what he might do? Um, well, another full disclosure, uh, I got married the weekend of Hero World Challenge. How dare you? Yeah, exactly. How dare you? <laughs> Congratulations. It's a perfect time of year being that I work in golf all year. So the first weekend of December, not traditionally a big weekend for weddings. I thought, yeah, no, nothing will be going on then. That's oh, funny. <laughs> oh, congratulations, um, by the way. No, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, but um, from what, from I, I rewatched the tournament and, you know, the swing speed isn't the same as it used to be, but I, I liked his golf swing. I'm, not, I'm far from a... a, a absolute expert on this golf swing but the back didn't look to have that same tension as it did the last 18 months or so you know all along for the the 18 months to two years where he just kind of was floundering in and out of um, playing and then injured and playing and then injured I feel like everyone just said this guy needs to take a whole year off and he did he took what amounts to more than a year off um, he took his time with his recovery I think he acknowledges, you can see from the vice captaincy at the Ryder Cup, um, his general demeanor approaching everything in press conferences and anytime you get a soundbite from Tiger over the last 18 months or so, you know, he's gone from a guy who, you know, sees and acknowledges that he can destroy and conquer all worlds to someone who kind of sees his own mortality and knows that, you know, he's not a kid anymore. He's on the other side of 40. He said, you know, more surgeries than I can count. And, you know, he took his time in this recovery process. I mean, you've got to think this is his best chance over the last four or five years to put something in a four or five years. 2013 was a really good year. But let's say over the last couple of years, this is his best opportunity he's put together to have a healthy, successful run. And look, he's going to put himself through the ringer here coming up starting next week, playing four times in five weeks. Um, not something I saw coming a few months ago. I figured maybe it would be a, an ease into it schedule and maybe, you know, like a like a 13-event, 15-event season for him this year. Um, it still might That still might be the case, and it's just a lot coming out of the gates. But, um, you know, I, I I don't think he would come back with a four-start four and five-week run off this big layoff if he wasn't confident enough in himself that he'd come out and win a golf tournament. And, you know, every time – we've heard for 20 years, you know, every time I tee it up, I expect to win. It's one of the one of the quotes that, you know, always made Tiger Woods my favorite golfer when I was a kid. The fact that he didn't approach golf the way a golfer did. He approached it the way, you know, an athlete going a game where you're playing the other team. Like, he, he looked at it like, if I don't win, I lose. And that made it so entertaining because he actually was the only golfer in the history of the game with a win percentage for years and years. So, um, I think if – if he's taking this kind of layoff, he's got a schedule where he plays four times in five weeks. Um, I think there's probably – I don't think there's any question in his mind that he can come out and compete and win. No, I don't think he's going to win right away, but, you know, who knows? I mean, we've seen the guy do the impossible for 20 years, and I don't put anything out of his reach. Um, it's going to be really interesting to follow, and it just adds another layer to what's going to be an outstanding golf season with all these great storylines. Do you think golf needs him to play well? Need is a strong word at this point. I would say if you asked me that question nine years ago, um, I mean, in 2008, 2009, even like 10, 11, and 12, I would say we were in a place in the sport where um, just any any interest for so long in golf was focused on Tiger Woods. Like talking to my colleagues who've been at Golf Channel for a long time, uh, much longer than me, you know, back 12 years ago, every single Wednesday Golf Central leading into a golf tournament with Tiger played. Tiger would come talk uh, to, to the guys during the Pro-Am. There'd be like a two-minute soundbite. There would be a whole segment of a 30-minute show about Tiger Woods every Wednesday when he played for 15 years. I mean, he was the primary storyline in the game in any event that he was playing for years and years and years. And I think it took two, three, four, it took a little while for the public to gradually move away toward, from that and for the golf media to gradually move away from that to where 
all the eggs in the interest basket aren't all focused on Tiger Woods. I mean, we have a just absolute awesome array of young stars who have done incredible things in the last few years. I thought what, you know, starting with what Rory has done with the four major championships in that brief window, and then what Jordan Spieth did and Jason Day's run, um, I think that collection of major championship success and big-time success by young, charismatic players has helped kind of create a pad between the need to have Tiger Woods be successful in the game and you know, what we are now as this kind of new, what we are in 2017 as opposed to 2007, 2008. Now, that being said, when Tiger Woods is good, when Tiger Woods is contending in a golf tournament, it's still the most interesting thing in the sport. I mean, we had, the the Hero World Challenge had the highest ratings on Golf Channel for us since the Open. I mean, more than the playoff events, the more, I mean, it still draws the eyeballs. He's still you know, the, for years we would say, you know, oh, Tiger moves the meter. No, Tiger still is the meter. He is the meter itself. And, um, you know, we have some more separation from the need to have him be successful um, to have us survive. I think we've gradually moved away from that. We can still survive and we'll be okay um, when Tiger is in play. But, man, is it more interesting and there are more eyeballs. And it's just so much more fun when he's around. I just think it would be so amazing for golf to see, like, a Rory and Tiger coming down the backside of Augusta, you know? And I don't think anyone would want that more than that. Anybody would want that more than Tiger and Rory themselves. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it would be incredible. What's, uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer. A couple more things real quick. Um, what's your opinion on Bryson DeChambeau? He's an interesting kid. I mean, look, anybody who wins... You're one of five people in history to win the NCAA and the U.S. Amateur in the same year, and you're in the class of Jack, Tiger, Phil, um, Ryan Moore is the other guy to do that in that fivesome. Anybody who does that in the same year has just oceans of talent and incredible game. Now, when you haven't won a pro tournament and you declare to national international media that you're going to change the way the game is played, I mean, all right, let's pump the brakes here. <laughs> like, they've been... They've been playing this game around the world for, for centuries. You haven't, won a, you haven't won a pro tournament yet. I respect your confidence, and I love the way that he, he has a unique approach, and he's kind of brash, and he does things his own way. And, and look, I'm a, I'm a numbers geek, obviously. I love the fact that he incorporates concepts of physics and math into what he does. But, I mean... Let's win a couple tournaments before we declare that we're going to change the way the game is looked at for generations to come. Is That's it, the only knock I'd have on the guy. Now, is if it, a man it, wins a tournament side saddle putting on the PGA Tour, I might eat my hat. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Um, I don't know how long he's going to stick with that. But hey, if it works and putts are going in, you know, more power to him. And, and the fact that he's trying something outside the box in a sport that for so long is everybody looks and acts and talks the same and plays the same, you know, anything that could be a little bit different and, and gives the game more flavor and he's kind of a character, I am all for that 10,000%. I think it's great when somebody who's who's got a lot of talent, who's got a great pedigree, who's got a funky name, and, he, and, and he's doing things differently, and he's successful, that's going to be awesome. And, and there's a reason why he's got a big contract with Puma and he's commercials with Ricky Fowler and he's got one pro win and it's on the web.com. I mean, you know, I, I think it's, I think if he's successful and, you know, does it in his own way, I think that'll be awesome. But let's wait and see if he can really do it before uh, we coronate him in any way. Any truth to the rumor uh, that I'm starting that he's uh, Phil Mickelson illegitimate child? I can neither confirm nor deny it, but, but I mean, there are traits of it, you know, the, the way here, here's how this is, here's how to do this. I'll explain to you how, how I, I'm the smartest person in the room possible shot or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm the smartest person in the room and I'm only 21 years old and uh, I'm going to tell you guys how uh, the game is to be played. You know, I mean, look, I, I've, I've always kind of walked around with the concept in my head. I don't think I'm great. Nobody else is going to think it either. So I totally respect the fact that you have all this confidence, I'm just saying, like, maybe pick and choose the declarations you make 
before you have the credentials to back it up sometimes. Revolutionize. He's going to revolutionize the game. Right, yeah. And, uh, uh, are you really, like, come on, let's wait a little bit before we, <laughs> yeah, let's, before we say we're going to do something you know, monumental to change the course of a sport that's been played around the world for centuries. Yeah, let's see if you win a pro event before these uh, single-length shafts be- become let's all the rage. Let's the John Deere before we, before we, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what do you what do you think about what the European tour is doing? I love all this new stuff that they're doing, trying to uh, you know jazz up the game. But other people are saying it's like a little riff raffy. What do you think? Uh, there's a balance there. I think it's I think it's cool. Like they had that night event that was with the, on the short course late in the year last year. I mean, I think that's a great idea. And even going beyond the European tour, like the Web.com tour, um, playing early in the week. Oh, I like that. Sunday. I think it's a great idea. Like, you own the golf space. Like, I've always thought for years that it would be a fantastic idea for the LPGA to throw. They already have staggered weeks off throughout the year. Throw in a Sunday through Wednesday event. And you've got the entire golf audience, you know, they're not locked in on the men's game. They can, you know, you've got a much better opportunity to get more eyeballs on you to change your approach. I mean, like I said, with the DeChambeau thing, anybody who does something that's a little bit outside the box and non-traditional in the game that is so, you know, not mired in traditions, but but loves their traditions so much to the point where you know you change something up a little bit, and you know, I think it's good for the game. I think it's I think it's fun. Now, you know, look, the PGA Tour is doing something like it too with the team event at the Zurich Classic. I love that. Yep, I think it's fantastic. And yeah, haven't been to New Orleans for that tournament the last few years. They've they've had a ton of bad weather, but I mean, usually the crowds are really good, and they just need something to. To, to bulk up that event, give a little more flavor, give it some, give it some uniqueness in that kind of slow lull between the Masters and the players, or you know, between the Masters and the U.S. Open, something to, to give it a little more character. I think it's great. So I think anytime um, we take something and, and add a little bit, some kind of different aspect to one of these events, whether it's on the European Tour or, or the LPGA or whatever it might be, I think it's good for the game. Do you need it every week? Absolutely not. It's just like what we talked about earlier with, you know, the 59s. A saturation of 59s, it loses it, it loses its uniqueness. You know, you don't you don't want that every week. Um, but every once in a while, yeah, absolutely, change it up a little bit. All right. Now, then, to uh, last question to put you on the spot here, um, who is going to have your breakout year? Someone that we're not thinking of. Not, I, I don't want to hear like Hideki or something like that because I think he's, you know, like. <laughs> Like somebody who's off the radar, who you think is going to have a big year, um, and your major winners. Okay, that's a good question for the off the radar. I can't, I can't just say Hideki. I mean, he won like five out of seven. Of no, you know what I mean. You know, <laughs> or, or John Rom, or anything like that. Give me some, you know, like. Oh, okay. No, John Rom. All right. Um, let's do the major winners first. Okay. Uh, uh, then, then I can come back and, and conjure up a. Uh, a breakout guy. Um, Masters, I'm going to take Rory McIlroy to complete the career Grand Slam. I don't think there's a single thing in in sports, uh, in golf this year, that I'm rooting for more than for him to break through, get his green jacket, complete the Grand Slam. Um, It would be awesome for the sport. uh, And just, I think it's going to happen. I think he's he's made too many birdies and had too much success. He's always had... He's had like one bad nine each of the last three or four years at Augusta that's kind of derailed his chances for the week. He avoids that. He comes through and he wins the Masters by, let's say, two shots over uh, Justin Rose. Justin Rose contends again at Augusta, and Rory holds him off and gets the victory. Jay Rose, uh, all right. Yeah, no, he, he's got a, I was doing some some early Masters numbers and stuff yesterday. You know, he's got a great track record around Augusta National, too. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in contention. You know, maybe two of the next three years. I mean, you know, he was runner-up when Jordan, uh, him and Phil were the runner-ups when Jordan ran away with it a couple of years ago. So, um, U.S. Open, um, man, you know, you, you love guys with an incredible short game, obviously, at the U.S. Open. Um, but, you know, last year it was just Dustin Johnson blasting the place, picking it apart. Um, hmm. I'm going to take Hideki Matsuyama to win the U.S. Open. Okay. Um, I, I know maybe his putting is always going to be in question. That's the weakest part of his game. 
the guy's putting has gotten so much better over the last six to nine months. His short game has gotten so much better. And I think when his ball striking is is at its peak, he can miss a handful. He's like Rory McIlroy in that he can miss a handful of eight to twelve foot putts that a lot of guys need to make in order to contend in a major championship. And if you put me on the spot right now, I'm going to pick Hideki Matsuyama to become the first Japanese player to win a major championship this year at the U.S. Open. I, um, the, the thing I like about Hideki's putting, even though it's super inconsistent, especially on, in the final round, it seems like it's a one-way miss. It's a push. It's always a push. Doesn't it seem like... That's what you want in golf. Right? It's so the I think, definition of what you want when you mess up. So I feel like it's... it's I feel like if anybody that could uh, get over it, it's him if it's only going one way. Yeah, yeah. You know uh, what and, I mean? Yeah, completely. And and the fact that, you know, we know it's... Like I said, he's a lot like Rory McIlroy in that when, when his ball striking is on, he doesn't have to be a lead putter. He just has to be above average. And he's going to contend and possibly win a golf tournament. And that's what he did at the end of the year last year. I just think he's made such immense strides in his putting, in his mid-range putting, um, in his short game. Um, he's got this this thing he does with his – he's modified his putting stroke now where his elbows point towards the hole. Uh, uh, Bradle did a magnificent breakdown of it at uh, Maui a few weeks ago. Um, I like him. I'll pick him to win the U.S. Open since I'm being thrown on the spot. And all the while while I'm talking about this, I'm trying to think of my open. Um, <laughs> Uh, open championship, uh, man, you know, it's a kind of a unique list of winners, uh, from the venue we're going to this year. Um, man, so hard, especially at this point, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Jordan Spieth to get an Open Championship this year. Um, got really, you know, in 15 when he made the big putt at, on the 16th hole after he won the Masters in the U.S. Open um, on that Monday when he made that long putt to tie for the lead, I thought, man, this is really going to happen. This kid's going to make a run at the Grand Slam. Like this is this is crazy. Like this is actually going to happen. And then he had the disaster 17th hole, and then he just missed the playoff. Um, put on the spot. I'll take Jordan to win the Open Championship, and at the PGA, I've picked all blue bloods to win the first three. The PGA feels like it feels like we're due for somebody who, you know, you know what? I'm going to pick somebody who had a breakout into the year um, in 2016, had an amazing run. From the Wyndham Championship through the Tour Championship, nearly won the Tour Championship, and then clinched the Ryder Cup for the U.S. team. I'm going to pick Ryan Moore to get his first career major. In the wow! Wow! I'll pick Ryan. I, I can't go four blue bloods because we're not lucky enough to get that. Uh, Ryan Moore. All right. He's four top ten players uh, to win a major in a year. So I'll take Ryan. Now, obviously, now none of these players are going to win any of these majors <laughs> because I just declared they will. Uh, Ryan Moore will probably miss the cut now to PGA, but um, on the spot, no preparation off the top of my head. Those are my four major champions. Well, I just um, know if they if if Hideki wins the U.S. Open, are they going to have to create a new media center for all the people uh, that are going to follow <laughs> Hideki? <laughs> like at the British, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be really, really hard to follow in this practice round. The Dude, I, I was at at Oak, Oakmont this year. He's got fifteen people around him on the range. Oh, it's like that every week. It's. I, mean, I remember my one of the first, the first time I went to the Masters for work, uh, or ever, um, was in 2011. And I walked around on Tuesday following Rio Ishikawa, who at the time was like in the 30s in the world ranking. You know, he was the young, yeah, yeah, up and coming star golf from Japan. There were 50 media members following him on a Tuesday. Like it was, it was insane, and I finally got the the thing I had heard for years about the Japanese media, you know, just hounding over the star players, star golfers at any week on the PGA Tour, let alone a major. I finally got that to see that firsthand. But yeah, you're right; they probably will need to create a whole other wing of the media center at at the Open. 
And uh, yeah, that you're talking about back then a, a top thirty in the world, let alone a top five player. In the, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And who's um, your uh, who's your breakout? I'm gonna pick a kid who's gonna I think gonna win on the PGA Tour this year. Um, had an amazing uh, spring, beginning of the summer. Won the NCAA championship individually and as a team for Oregon. Went to the uh, Canadian Tour, plucked, picked off a win there right away. He's got a really good short game. Um, I think he, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to make the tour championship necessarily, but I think one of your contenders for possibly, you know, being the next guy to pick off a win here in a, in a good event, I'm going to take Aaron Wise. Uh, okay. Really, really impressive player um, uh, from the NCAA championships. First time I got to see him firsthand. And, you know, he's not the longest player in the world. Um, but seeing his success after he turned pro immediately, and the fact that you couldn't give me John Rahm, you said I couldn't pick him. Uh, that that <laughs> that's that's the guy I'll pick to break through with a win this year on the PGA Tour in a in a pretty good event. I'll pick Aaron Wise. What uh, what about Thomas Peters? You think he's got a chance to uh, have a breakout year, maybe a major? Man, and well, the distance that kid has, and look, he's already got a handful of European Tour wins. Um, you know. Uh, I could see him contending in a major, um, you know, a PGA championship. I could see him contending in. Um, you know, he's got the ball flight uh, to contend anywhere he wants to. Anytime he's on, you know, his short game isn't as consistent as he probably needs it to be um, to, to be a regular contender week in, week out, and be like a top 20 player in the world at this point in his career. Um, but, man, he's just just a stripe show. Just crushes the golf ball. And his performance at the Ryder Cup – it was the best performance in terms of points ever by a European rookie. Um, just, yeah, that's another great name to watch for. And he hasn't had a whole lot of success since the Ryder Cup, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pick off a European Tour win or two and, and contend in a major this year. I'm really rooting for the guy just because uh, he was so in on the Olympics. Um, he performed yeah. great. I thought that was a springboard to the rest of his uh, year, and he just seems like a like a really down earth, good guy, and and a damn good player. Yeah, no question. Just I watched him hit balls on the range at Bay Hill last year, and man, it's awesome. <laughs> For lack of better adjectives, and sounding like a like a fan, uh, like a little kid, it was you know, it's, it's an absolute joy to watch him hit hit that- golf ball, especially hit his driver. He absolutely crushes. Him. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I don't want to take any more of your time, Justin. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'll uh, look out for all your uh, awesome stats this week, as always. All right, greatly appreciate it, man. Anytime. Talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you.